Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or wherever the hell your time zone desires. Uh, this is the Tech Off Topic podcast, and I am the host, Mike Ellsmore. My ego allows me to carry on doing these things because you know what? Nobody's told me to stop yet. Uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be the first time that it's a lovely panel of people, so I apologize if I can't keep them all under control. They are beastly, beastly people. Um, these are boot campers, old and new, from the School of Code Bootcamp, and I am dragging them in for a conversation to talk about their experience, what they're expecting, what they're expecting to happen from now. So I'm going to start introducing them to the stream one by one and let them introduce themselves. I am going to start with the oldest because, well, it makes my life easier. And by oldest, I mean from the earliest cohorts, not necessarily the oldest person, because technically that's definitely me. So introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I was on cohort one back what feels like 10 years ago. It was actually only three. Uh, okay. Uh, that also, for those of you wondering, he is a PHP developer now. Uh, well, primarily PHP developer now, rather than the trade taught at the boot camp, which is, was and is primarily JavaScript. Yeah. And next up, I'm going to, hmm, I've got three choices. Let's go here. Introduce yourself. I am, um, I'm Carl McIntosh. I was on cohort four, it's just finished. So um, looking to get into texting right now, but um, really excited to, to get started. Cool. Uh, next up, let's go. Hi, I'm Katie. Um, I've been on uh, the latest bootcamp as well, Cohort 4. I had an amazing experience. Before School of Code, I was a professional musician and music teacher for 10 years, which I loved, but I was ready for a new challenge in life. So I swapped jazz for JavaScript, joined the School of Code, and hoping to make a career in tech. Pretty sure there's a framework meme joke in there somewhere. I'm sure you can find one. <laughs> yeah. And last but not least, and not from favoritism, just because he was my mentee, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Tom, also from Bootcamp 4. Uh, so, you know, any jobs going? Hit me up. Um, yeah, uh, I was previously a lifeguard, but always had an interest in tech and wanted to challenge myself. So, threw myself into it and took the dive in through the amazing school of code. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's amazing how the three newest people to the tech scene are already pimping up their skills. It's like that they barely finished the course. I believe the official end of the practical side of it was Wednesday. Yeah, we had demo day on Wednesday. And uh, so, and today was a follow-up session for actually entering the tech space and how to get there. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. Oh, and uh, yes, as has been raised, uh, you can submit questions for the boot campers. It's bloody well up to them if they answer it, though. <laughs> and oh, and just for the audience, um, as always, the right to heckle me is granted to you by the deities of everything. However, that does not extend to the boot campers. Please play nicely. So, uh, how is everybody doing this afternoon? I've uh, had them in the chat for a few minutes, so they are smiley and they aren't taking me too seriously, which is a good start. Feeling great. Happy to Pretty be good. here. Yes, this I is the first podcast, first tech podcast. Not sure what to expect. 
Um, this is not a real tech podcast. Do not expect anything professional or normal to happen. This is uh, random people talking random shite. It just happens to be relatively around technology. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, accordingly. <laughs> now, you've all finished. Like, even Chris at this point, he has finished because it's Friday, so he's finished for the day. <laughs> How do you feel about you have been cutting code and the fact that uh, there's a whole future of it now lining up for you? You know, you're still young. There's 30 to 40 years of having to do this every working day. How do you feel about that? And weekends if you're unlucky. Or if you're like me and weekends because you're bored. Pretty good, to be honest. You know, there's um, the best part about tech is that there's always something new to do. And, like, always somewhere, somewhere to go with it. And it's always progressing. So, like, you know, even if there is 40-odd years ahead, then it's going to change. Yeah, it's not going to be the same thing day and day. Hopefully, um, well, it might be, but I'm, I'm looking to hopefully it's going to change. Um, the tech scene does change um, all the time. I was, I was previously a, a print manager and quite similar with tech, print changed quite a lot over the time. So that would be quite quite similar to that. Okay. How about you, Chris? You've been doing this now professionally, again, for two and a half, three quarter years, I think? Nearly three? Yeah, something like that. Nearly three years. Um, yeah. Three years next week, in fact. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the fact that 40 more years? It's it, For me, that's like uh, uh, 2016 going four more years of Trump. Jesus. Does that mean I'm not allowed to retire until I'm 79? Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm going to go with by how we get to retirement. Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, when you first get into the tech scene, it's very, very daunting to think that your code is going live on somebody's server and you can break it, which I've done. Um, it is a rite of passage to break everything. Just don't delete production servers, I've done that one. Um, but once you've, uh, once you've got past that first hurdle of getting that first pull request in and all the rest of it, you kind of relax and go, actually, it's not that different from the boot camp and doing code at the boot camp, except you get paid for it, which is even more awesome. It's a nice Sounds place. pretty good. <laughs> Ooh, being paid to screw up. That definitely <laughs> defines my career so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have never, ever said in this, uh, I'm, and I will always say this, I am not the best engineer ever. I'm just a really good hacker and people like to pay me for that. <laughs> so it turns out you can be, you can make a career out of being a mediocre engineer. That actually describes half of Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should I not be saying stuff like that? Is that too controversial? I don't know. I'm using this no. scene. I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, I think I can get away with it because I'm old and cynical. Okay. What I have noticed is there seems to be a lot of good developers entering the scene over the past three years. Uh, I don't think it's they're entering the scene. I think it's the fact they're becoming vocal. There is a difference. 
there are some of the older crowd um, who have, in the last three to five years, I would say, actually started voicing opinions and actively engaging and helping people. Some of these are older devs, uh, people who've you know been around the shop and definitely, definitely, definitely know what hurts. So yeah, I would agree. But okay, so you're all looking forward to it. You're all sound like the bloody poster child for what the engineering uh, lifestyle's meant to be, and I'm just going. Oh, I wish I had that feeling still. <laughs> well, we're all riding the wave of, of you know school of code demo day. We're still on that high of you know absolutely having accomplished something quite amazing in four, like four months. So. We're very optimistic and enthusiastic and energetic right now for the rest of our careers. Buzzing. <laughs> Happy people confuse me. <laughs> but okay, uh, how was Demo Day? I would love to know how it was because I was meant to be watching, uh, except I was running a 39 degree fever. So I was in bed. Sorry. So how was Demo Day this year? Because I saw Chris's because I think I messed with Chris's demo. You did. I did. No, you messed with Ben's. No, I messed with Ben's. I broke Ben's from high orbit. <laughs> Never get the web hacker a URL with a console that he can actually still manipulate. That's a story I want to hear more of. Uh, sure, we'll go into that. But first, answer my question. What was the question? What was demo day like? How did it feel to actually present it all? What um, is there anything that you feel like you could have improved in hindsight, or did you think it was one hundred percent the best? I mean, there's always going to be something you can improve, right? Like you're never going to get it one hundred percent every time. It's just it's just not going to happen like that. But I think, given the fact we have only been doing it for four months, and given the fact like we've got to that point, and we've been talking about demo day for so long, and it finally came around, and then it got to that point, and like prior to that, you've been looking at previous demo days and thinking, they really know what they're on about, and kind of like, it seems like they actually have an idea of what's happening, and you know, week, week four in or something, like, I, am I really gonna get to that point? And then actually finding yourself at that point 16 weeks later, it's quite rewarding, to say the yeah. least, I'd say. Definitely. I think like all the teams did really well. And I know in, in my team, we like part of our products, we made a game. So we did like a live demo with the game, which was obviously kind of nerve wracking, but it, it went really well. It worked. We had fun. So I think we did practice our presentations quite a bit to, um, to make sure we, we came across and we like, you know, said what we wanted to say and we like demoed the things we wanted to show on our products, which really helped. Um, but the whole experience felt just like a celebration of, of the whole course, really seeing everybody, how far everyone had come from the beginning of the course to think that we would literally didn't know how to write Hello World. And now we've built like full stack apps. It's pretty cool what we've done in that amount of time. So I think overall, we, we all felt pretty proud of, of where we got to. Yeah. Probably say the same thing, just going, going from four months through and then coming back to your point about demoing live so we, our, our app was to is it was, it was called the well our main feature was called the thermometer so we, we actually did that live and because we'd done it in them um, tested it we practicing our presentation we just did it with between the six of us but then in the live presentation you could have actually actually people were putting their hands up 
enjoying the fun, fun session. So I'm glad I didn't have you in there too to try. And, um, <laughs> really, it went really well. We had a couple of people who were um, who, who like testing out the features live, and it actually it worked quite well. So was which in practices had actually broken the app. So if that had happened on demo day, it would have been quite. But I think we fixed all the bugs in it. Um, well, all the the major bugs anyway. So. Yeah, I think I gave one piece of uh, advice to Tom, which I wish I had given to everybody else at the bootcamp, which is um, if it's broken, you know it's broken. There's not enough time. Ignore it. You can work around that. You can mm -hmm. talk around that rather than trying to fix it until three in the morning and then actually break everything. But do, do you think three years after our presentation day is enough time for me to let out a little secret of our presentation? Uh, I know for a fact that you faked half of it. We faked the entire login. <laughs> oh my goodness, what a revelation. Don't get me started, because I actually had a, con a conversation with about half the people beforehand going, how many of you actually went and did your own logins? Everybody said yes. As somebody who is a veteran of about 50 hackathons, you never do logins, ever, because they are the first thing to break and the first thing that will break before you even get to doing anything. And yet you guys also all did it, but you uh, you did it with different pieces of tech. You all did it with, um, from what I was being informed, different forms of single sign-on. Yeah, that's with, right. With, with Ortho. Um, yeah, it seems to be a mixture of um, Cognito, uh, Cognito, which is AWS's product, uh, some people, I think one place did it with direct SSO with, was it Facebook or something? And then there was the Auth0 groups of people. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, Chris, well, learn from these people. Well, <laughs> Three years my, too late. <laughs> my mentees team use Firebase as their, which is Google's sign-on. Yeah, I, I also recommended against using Firebase because it's complete over-engineering. It would have been easier I'd... to have gone down the GitHub route, but that's what they chose to use. And to their credit, they actually implemented it. Damn. I think, I think part of it really was just kind of using things that we hadn't really used before, kind of mm. getting out there a little bit. And because it's part, well, a lot of it was kind of, it wasn't just for presenting the product, it was also for learning new things and practicing what we'd learned over the 12 weeks prior to the project as well. So I think some of it, yeah, might not have necessarily needed it, but it's, it's good practice and good, good to kind of learn new things. Definitely. Okay. Right, we have a question from the crowd, and this is one that you can answer as well, Chris. You feel free to answer it or not. I'm going to display it, and it is, congratulations on graduating. Thank you. If uh, you could do any tech job, real or made up, what would you do? Now that is actually interesting. I didn't actually put that in my running questions. That's a really good question. I'm not really sure about the, the possibilities of the endless. Well, the, the thing is, you went to the you went to a job now. You're going to find out more of what you do and do not want. But mm. right now, you don't actually have a clue what you're going to enjoy doing as a day to day grind. That means the possibilities are absolutely flipping endless. Even Chris, you're only three years back into doing it as a full-time career. That's still pretty early in the stages of deciding 
what the trajectory could be, where the end goal could be, what like magical, mystical unicorn of a, you know, unicorn poop of a job it could be. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, what, do you want to be a CTO? A what? CTO, Chief Technical Officer. Uh, the bullshit term usually used by companies to describe uh, the person who owns the direction of technology in a company, namely startups, because everybody has to have a VP or director job. But... Hmm. Trust me, I know a company which has got only directors and C-level people. There's 12 of them. It sounds like a lot. Mm. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so do you want to be a CTO? Do you want to be a solutions architect? Do you want to be a UX researcher, a database administrator, DevOps engineer? I think at the moment, it would just, uh, well, for me, especially, I'm, I'm more looking at full stacks or like front end, back end. So, like in terms of getting a job now, and then I'll know more in three to six months whether I'm actually going to enjoy doing this day to day, week to week, year on year. Um, a made up tech job, I don't know. I think anything can be said to be to be made up. Um, I, I could, I'd, obviously I'd want to be able to create my own, um, my own virtual reality type thing, but I know that's not possible. So um, that's- Actually it is. Well, it was possible, but for, you know, Give me, give me 10, 20 years. We'll see. But no, we'll give you about six months and some time playing with web AR. Okay. Well, that's something I could look into there. So. Yeah, if you're going to have a play, uh, Firefox has one of the greatest libraries of information on how to do web AR. Web AR. And web AR is a nice, logical, easy step to begin to learn how to do uh, mixed reality and then actual true virtual reality. Sounds exciting. Yes. It's all polygons and visuals that make my eyes hurt, which is why I don't do it. Because turns out visual shit makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty things go bye bye. Well, well, what about you, Tom? Is there any job you want? Like, I technically have what most people would consider to be a completely fictitious job. Um, I don't know. I think. Like Carl says, it's well, v VR for one, I think is, I find interesting as a concept and kind of like the products of that and see how, see where it's going and the kind of like what possibilities you could get from it. Um, but then watching like the SpaceX launches, for example, and kind of seeing those and imagining all the kind of the work that goes into that or the engineering. Don't get the... me started. Flying a spaceship on an iPad is fucking weird. <laughs> But that, that, like just the way that the kind of um, the boosters return to the landing pads, um, just that it kind of blows my mind really. And kind of being able to get to the point where you're able to do that and pull it off successfully, just, just be amazing. Okay. What about you, Katie? Well, right now, I, again, I feel a bit overwhelmed by the choices. I know that I, I've really enjoyed all aspects of the course. So I'm thinking kind of, Full stack, a full stack role and I have also over the course of the final project realized I, I do have a passion for like design and UX so I'd really like to use that in a job to start off with so I'm probably thinking like front end or full stack. Um, I think also like being in the right team I like I'm finding the right company where I can like uh, feel excited by what they're making the product be part of a team where I like you know I'll 
values align and that I get on with everybody. And for me now, that's the priority, I think. And then hopefully in a few years, I'll, I'll like find maybe what I want to specialize in. Also, I just, I love people and I really like, I've enjoyed working agile. So that's, you know, agile management, project management, something I might want to look into in the future. But for my first role, I just want to have that experience of working in like a, a tech team for a few years before thinking of going into anything like that. But, um, I'm going to give you the cynical old dev opinion here. Um, be warned, agile doesn't work. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, it's true. It's Agile is a great principle, but it has to be adapted to each team and each scenario individually. If you try being one of the people who does it exactly how you were taught, which is as the book dictates, because um, you're taught how it is in principle and in theory, if you tried uh, applying that directly to working in a team of rando people globally distributed or some random stuff like that, it falls apart because you can't do the ceremonies and everything in the exact manner in which they are required. Yeah. So agile works as a principle, but mold it to how you want it to work with your team. Don't yeah. try and make your team to work to the model because they'll all just kick off and quit. It's good advice. Yeah. Cynical old dev approach. Now, Chris, you've had three years to ponder this one. Cutting code, changing stack. What about you for that fictitious job of the future? Well, for me, it's creating a general AI. You're asking for the flipping unicorn and sentience of a computer. You want flipping Skynet! <laughs> Have you only just noticed this, Mike? I've been talking about it since the first big camp <laughs> i always thought you were just joking i thought you'd grow out of it no no <laughs> the thing is i know it's possible i've been bloody watching... kids in their world ending ais someone's well, gonna if you know. google's done it's uh, expressed a basic form of empathy within the past few weeks <laughs> is is that another podcast by any chance, Mike? Uh, probably, but one that's going to make me cry because I am of the general theory that all AI is out to kill us all. It's and just yeah, not I smart enough to do it yet. I'm of the theory it's exactly the reverse. Uh, that, that might make an interesting conversation. Uh, oh, God. Uh, yeah, actually, possibly. I start to be a bit. As general AI is going to be about 60 years off, for, for now I'll stick to doing what I actually love doing day to day, which is which is my job now. Um, I work on web software rather than websites, so dealing with the user stories that come from a company, turning user stories into code, um, turning code into something that goes onto a computer, and turning that into something that makes money for another company. To know that the lines of code I wrote, wrote actually run a company is quite incredible. Okay. Does that mean you classify yourself more as an application developer than a website developer? Yeah. How yeah. do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like you want to be more application than website-y? I think we've been sort of like told that we, we are more web app than website um, generally. So I think I'd put us more in that bracket anyway, uh, with where we're at. Okay. 
Uh, here's a question I want to ask, um, and I'm going to ask now so we can get it, uh, so you can all hate me quickly and get over it. How do you feel about the fact that School of Code is transitioning to a Microsoft stack? Why would we, why would we hate you for this question? <laughs> I don't know. I just had this image that you're all going, why do you ask that? We've just finished. Don't talk about our... Yeah. I'm just curious, really, because C Sharp's not something I've really touched. So, like, I'd, I'd just be curious. Might put on a wig and disguise and join the next one just to, like, you know, in the background, just to see what it's like. So, for me, I've dabbled with C Sharp um, under the guise of Unity. Um, I don't get it. I don't quite get why the shift. Um, I could probably fill that one if you would like. To, to me, it feels more like a decision that is not necessarily motivated in the same way as previous decisions that have been made. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to be as tactful as I can. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. You have managed to not make anybody cry. Um, how about you, Carl? Well, I think the the general move to C sharp potentially, well, I, and I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, is, is the, the whole idea of school of code is to get us all jobs in the tech sector. Stick with the same tech for every single bootcamp, especially if you're going to be trying to pull on more bootcamps. Then you're, you're holding everyone into one section rather than bringing everyone into the tech scene as a whole. That's that's how I, well, I see this, the move to C sharp is more of broadening that job market, if you will. So, yes, unfortunately, the one downside with the bootcamps are uh, that plus all the normal university graduates, etc., that start appearing is a flood of the markets of people with um, no commercial experience sort of thing. Now, if you just keep pumping JavaScript people in there, there's just going to be less organizations in the greater West Midlands area. Assuming that we are not in a completely remote model, and there is a question about that I'm going to raise in a moment, um, a completely remote model that will exist because there's only there's only a finite number of companies and they can only support a finite number of employees. So if you just keep pumping JavaScript people, there's eventually going to be no JavaScript space left. So going to the C-sharp, there's a lot of C-sharp engineering in the city. There are some big uh, corporates that do it. Capita have got a huge amount of C-sharp people. Same with places like Purple Bricks. So by switching it a little bit, you're making sure you don't flood and make it hurt. And that and the fact that um, if uh, you switch it around a little bit, you're likely to get some other people involved from a commercial standpoint, shall we say. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And here is one uh, in the uh, questions doc that was added that I actually think is really, 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 really interesting. Because I am from a very, very traditional, I got taught at university computer science. And Chris went through the boot camp in person where you had to do star jumps and random stuff that I will still never understand. I'm sorry, energizers, that's Red Bull. Um, 
<laughs> there's a reason there's a caffeine problem in tech. Jesus. Um, but yes, you guys have gone through the first 100% remote boot camp. Now, do you feel like you've missed out on an experience with it being uh, remote versus in person? Do you feel it's given you some more freedom? What is your take on it? And Chris, as somebody who went through the IRL and is now working in a remote org by virtue of pandemic, uh, what do you think? I think from my point of view, I feel like um, in terms of the delivery of the actual course hasn't really been any worse or less effective having been fully remote because obviously tech is suited to, you know, remote working. Um, we've actually like gained so many skills that are going to be so useful now. We've been like working remotely from day one. We're really used to like collaborating in remote teams. So it's kind of set us up really well for this current climate of, you know, we're all going to go into remote jobs to start with. So we've already got all those skills. So in some ways it's, that's nice because we're so comfortable with working in that way. But in terms of like the kind of community aspect of School of Code, I have like really missed not seeing people in person or like being able to grab a coffee at lunch or like go out for a pint on Friday. Um, I think we have worked really hard to try and make those sessions happen. And we have like School of Code quizzes every other Friday. And we do have like daily energizers where we all sort of play games and do some team building because we just don't have those opportunities for like chit chat, you know, and things like that being remote. So I think it, it has been a shame that we've never met in person. Hopefully after this is all blown over, we might be able to meet up for the first time, which would be quite strange. But um, I'd say I've still had an amazing experiences and I've made friends, you know, during the course. It's such an intense, crazy experience that you commit to that you can't help but like bond with the other crazy people who've decided to do the same thing as you. So I think, yeah, it's had its pros and cons. I yeah, I think going, going on to that kind of all being in the same crazy situation thing, that in itself kind of helps the social side and that obviously you're all in the same situation. You're all in the same crazy situation where we don't get to meet in person. We're, we are having to do all of this remotely. And it's kind of, in a way, it's helped us bond in its, own, like, in its own way um so it's kind of helped it in that respect it has been a shame though that we haven't been able to kind of like, you know meet up have that chit chat the kind of water cooler conversation but the coaches did a really good job of trying to encourage that as much as possible to be fair and with the energizers and um other social sessions so okay and you pretty much said it both of you so um, you're off the hook there dude yeah. <laughs> What about you, Chris? You've seen the transition for them and for yourself. So for me, um, it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. We had this trial run of, right, everybody work from home to, we think something might be happening. Let's all work from home to make sure it works. And the next day we went in and we talked about it. The day after that, we went home and the boss messaged us all after work to say we're not going back to the office i haven't seen the inside of our office since i'm convinced that my lunch is still in the fridge <laughs> 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 so, 
Oh. oh no! Oh, all I can say is I really hope it was a pot noodle because that's the only thing that's going to survive the zombie apocalypse. That's true. Oh Jesus, mother of Mary! Wow. Okay, that is not what I was expecting to come out of your mouth. I, I think that can be definitely declared as off-topic. <laughs> Just what for everybody who's concerned, most people are chuckling at Tom, Tom in the corner who is uh scrunching his face and going, I regret my life choices. <laughs> I'm just glad it's not lunchtime right now. Me too. Nice. Okay. Are you all looking forward to well, Chris is stuck in that currently, and uh, the actual going into a remote job, or do you actually want to have that um one-to-one time with people? So Chris originally, uh, in his current role, um, had one-to-one time with people where relearning the PHP free- frameworks and actually getting inside of it, there were people to bounce the, the heck are you talking about phrases off. So you've got your groove and now you're used to doing it. What about the rest of you? Are you, look, uh, are you wanting to go into that IRL situation where whiteboards can help? Or are you comfortable with the idea of doing your on-the-job learning because you've been taught a lot, but trust me, there is so much more to learn. I'm kind of looking forward to when things kind of get back to normal because of the thing, what what we're learning is that um, remote working is, is going to be slightly like the new normal, if you will. So there will be working in the office, there will be working from home. I'm kind of looking forward to that balance. We're not, we're, I'm not just sort of like stuck at home doing that. I want to be able to go and talk to people and, and bounce ideas off each other in person. So I, I'm looking forward to the balance if, um, when that comes. Yeah. I think it is like obviously um, a bit um, different when we join a company now, obviously having to onboard completely remotely you know, we, we don't know what exact experience is going to be like, but we've heard very positive things from a lot of people that, you know, it's, it's going okay. <laughs> and um, I think hopefully we'll still be able to have that one-to-one time with people, you know, just via Zoom or, you know, Google Hangouts or whatever. But I don't think it won't ever replace human interaction in real person. So I'm hoping for like, in the long run, there will still be opportunities to work in an office with people, even if that's only one or two days a week. I think for me, I would really like that. Um, I like that interact kind of interaction and that energy from being with a group of people in person. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's the nail on the head really. Um, when Carl mentioned about the balance as well, um, just kind of having that one or two days, having the option really, I don't mind remote working. Um, I mean, I don't really have any experience otherwise, to be honest. Um, but kind of, yeah, remote workings, I've, I've not had problem with it over the course of boot camp, really. Um, Got on fine with it. But having the option to go in and talk to people and have that kind of, you know, chit chat and get that kind of personal feeling to it is some, an option you'd like. I'd like to have. Um, definitely for sure. Okay. Um, as somebody who's been a remote worker for the most of their career, surprisingly, I only realized this the other day when I was looking through this going, ah, oh crud. I've been working remotely from my spare bedroom since 2013. Wow. 
Yeah, <laughs> except for the period when I worked at Pact, where I was allowed to work from home, but because I get really, really bored and procrastinate like a boss, I ended up spending a lot of time in the office. <laughs> Trust me, procrastination. It's a great life skill, except when you need to work. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, roughly what you're after in the next job and like Chris is aware of what he wants to be doing in the next few months and years. Looking back uh, before you went into the boot camp, this includes you, Chris, in that period, there's a, like, you know, the good old fashioned ex expectation versus reality memes. Mm. The hell do you think about that now? Did you think it was going to be some nerddom law, Dungeons and Dragons shit, or did you imagine it to be a collaborative Google hub? <laughs> of which it's neither, I may add. I think for me, the, the expectation kind of met the reality, if, if you will, in terms of, because we knew, well, I didn't realize how um, it was going to work remotely. I, um, I thought it was it was it, it wouldn't work the way that it that it has, and, it, and, it's, and it's worked really well. But um, in terms of the, the structure of the boot camp as a whole and how hard it was going to be, I, I knew it was going to be hard, and it was it was extremely hard. But then to see that progression over the the, the weeks, you, you kind of they they do say that the first four weeks are the hardest that they really were. Like after week four, I was, I was I was almost nervous breakdown type thing, but then you slowly you, you get to a point where it just makes sense, and then it kind of like and then your your learning curve just goes go, like flattens out, if you will, because you you've, you've kind of learned it, and then you learn how to learn as you're going through. So it's that foundation, yeah, definitely, I would 100% agree with that. The first bit was definitely the hardest because once you get into that and you've kind of you've established the fundamentals and kind of the main principles um, of coding in general and problem solving, you can kind of apply those principles to any other work you do. And as Kyle just said, and as something that was really stressful over the course of the boot camp was that, like, we weren't there to learn to code, we were there to learn how to learn and how to problem solve. Um, and that's something that like, once you've got through those first few weeks where they've kind of got that across, it makes the, the rest of it come after that that much easier because you've got something to build off um to build on rather um and to kind of not experience as such but you've got you, you've got that different way of thinking you started to take it on board and you can apply it to everything else that's coming at you rather than everything else being completely new yeah. want to throw anything in Katie or chris um I would say like the expectation of the the workload and stuff yeah that i definitely expected it to be that hard and it was i think my you know until i knew it was going to be fully remote i had these visions of like playing pool at lunchtime and like hanging out in the office of all the plants and being in the center of birmingham going out for beers after work and all that was like part of the experience that i wanted which i haven't had but that's nobody's fault, it's world's pandemic's fault. Um, so in that sense, my expectations weren't quite aligned, but in terms of the course and the outcome and everything that's come with that, then yes, I was kind of prepared for the for the work and for the, and also the community. Like I, I've 
I've seen a couple of people do the course before me and I knew that it was like this amazing community of School of Code and that, you know, it's even after you graduated, you'd always be a School of Code boot camper. There seems to be this like really nice community of people like giving back to it. Um, and now I've been through it, I can see that. And, you know, I want to carry on supporting School of Code like as I carry on in my career. And so, yeah, I think the expectations on the yeah, did kind of meet the reality, which is a nice surprise because things like that don't always happen in life, do they? <laughs> I'm waiting yeah, for a Chris curveball. <laughs> go on, Chris, go on. So for me, being the first one, how I actually found out about the bootcamp was quite a, an interesting story at the time. Um, as Mike's alluded to several times, I've come from a very different background to most of the boot campers. Uh, I'd actually had my own tech company before going to the boot camp. So I was doing web development when web development consisted of just text and images were not a thing on the web and stuff like that. Um, I was also around when cables were a thing and networks. So I remember the days of crawling around on the floor, wiring up networks and then wondering why it wasn't working and realizing I've got the cable the wrong way around and things like that. Um, so I ended up with a illness that I still have um, that took me out of tech and out of working life completely. Um, when I got to the point that I could even think about working again, I started applying um, for positions and found that I was applying for positions and they were basically telling me, although your experience is great, it's out of date. What I knew didn't match up to what was needed. During this time, an advert for this new thing appeared on Facebook. So my expectation was that this was some sort of scam and I was going to have to pay for it somehow. But I followed through and went to the uh, application process, made my character, which is still my avatar on many of my social media, and went through to the first meeting where everybody gets together and does the, the uh, the tasks that Chris creates, something to do with marshmallows and spaghetti. Uh, I don't know how that helped in tech, but it worked. Um, <laughs> Mike is now wondering what the hell. <laughs> well, I know exactly what that weird team building, problem solving, fine, because uh, it's it's used in large groups to work out uh, in certain places uh, who the people who are bad operators in an organization are. And others, it's used to work out who can actually collaborate with each other. Um, I'm currently going in my head, and this is the only joke I'm going to make about this. Um, this is making you very much sound like the cohort was the first child. You know, the throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> it's the reason you always have an air and a spare. To be honest, Chris has always referred to us as the experiment. We, Which is we were. Let's see if this works. <laughs> and it did. I, mean, I will never say otherwise. It, I am also somebody who's lucky enough to have hired boot campers previously. And I've seen them grow from little know-it-all shits to actually ridiculously useful and productive members of the team. <laughs> Not saying names. <laughs> remember you, Mike. Pardon? 
I don't remember you hiring me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You know who I hired. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so, okay. So, expectation, the expectation met reality. Now, that I find surprising. Because I have this weird thing of, I've been around so long that I am like, oh, Tom has something. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say... Um... Yeah, it did in terms of the workload and everything, but I think the one thing that really blew it out of the water for me was because um, I, I kind of knew what to expect because my, my brother introduced me to the boot camp and obviously he works in development and um, he knows a lot about it and he's got a lot to do with the boot camp. Um, but I think the one thing that really kind of blew my mind was was the community and the amount of collaboration that goes on within tech because for me it was very much that stereotype of kind of independent individual work just sitting there at your computer working away kind of thing and that you had to have kind of like started on it from a very young age and um because i have a couple of my friends at school as well were um working on it and doing jobs and stuff by the time we got to sixth form um and then so i, I did have that stereotype very much in mind but then when we got into the boot camp and to see that actually, well, 16 weeks later, very much is not the case that you need to be learning it from a very young age. And all the help and all the kind of um, community sense that, you, that we had within the boot camp from, like, you could pop a question, the Slack channel, and you'd get a response within within the hour from anyone. Um, it's just, yeah, really surprised me. Okay. All right. So you, you mentioned there that uh, asking for help and getting it pretty damn quickly. I apologize that I was not always the best with that. You did have to send me messages whilst I was getting drunk. Um, it's true. Um, so uh, what was the hardest part of the course for you? So that is a question all of you can answer. Hmm. Like I said, the, the hardest part for me was those first four weeks. It's like trying, you're, you're getting all these concepts and they're throwing them at you so quickly. Like you go from, from just JavaScript um, fundamentals and then you're literally the next day you're onto something else and then the next day you're onto something else. And it's it was that trying to catch up in, in sort of like your spare time, just trying to to get everything into your brain to click. And then, like I said, after those first four weeks, something just clicked with me, especially it's like something just clicked and you look back and you think, why did I have so much trouble in those first four weeks? And uh, I think it was just the amount of knowledge they were throwing at us in those first four weeks that, that I found the hardest anyway, so. I think, oh, carry on, you go Chris, or whoever was about to speak now. For, for me, both the hardest part and the best part of the course was actually the time spent with Joe. So Joe Trodden, who uh, does a lot of the areas that cover the soft skills. Um, the hardest part, because it was like, forget everything you think you know about yourself. Okay, here's what we actually know about ourselves. But the best part, because it actually taught me things about me that I didn't know. I thought I hated public speaking. Turns out I don't. What I actually hated was preparing public speaking. Which is why I'm so much better at it when Mike just says, do you want to come on a podcast? Yeah, right. <laughs> Genuinely, winging it is so much more fun. Yeah. Slides <laughs> are for losers. 
that. Okay. So it's that so in general it's just those preconceptions and the, the getting started that was the hard part. I think one thing for me too was that is actually like working with people. And I would have said I was very good at that before because I come from like my experience as a musician. I'm always working with people and teaching and working with people. But I think like being thrown together with a bunch of people that you've never met before and then like pair programming with people and having to work on projects together over Zoom, it's really intense to start with. And just trying to work out like the other person's dynamic and like get to know each other's strengths and weaknesses. I, I think that was also a challenge but like a really a good a really good one and i think that's why we've all you know built such strong relationships now because we've like sort of been funneled through that process but i don't think it was always easy and like in our final projects having to work with six people we hadn't worked in a team that big before just kind of finding that team dynamic once we got it it was like brilliant but kind of getting to that stage did require like work and effort um and that was probably one of the things that surprised me because I would call myself a people person and I kind of expected that to come more naturally, but actually it was definitely something you still had to work at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of weird. The skill you thought that you had down to a T for this wasn't the yeah. one that, Oh, interesting. I know. Maybe it's because I'd expected coding to be hard because I hadn't done you know, much programming before and I think it's like the remote nature of it. Like you don't build those relationships quite as naturally or easy. And um, that was definitely a part of it. But I think we're all quite good at that now after this whole course. So hopefully that will stand us in good stead for building relationships and teams in our new jobs. So I think it's interesting actually that you said that there was an area that you thought you'd excel at and didn't. Because for me, thinking back on it, I thought I'd excel with the, the front end side of things and, you know, making things look pretty because that's what I did with the previous job, albeit limited by the technology at the time. I'm back then the web had 16 colors, so you didn't exactly have much choice, but I actually found that with CSS, I really struggled. CSS is fucking voodoo. I swear to God. <laughs> Everyone will agree. Yes. So I did not. I did not like CSS um, at all. You're lucky. Me and Chris come from an era where um, the web, because Chris would have stopped originally just at the time when the browser wars were properly kicking off, and that's when I yeah. started. And the browser wars were hell because CSS didn't work on all browsers the same at all. That does yeah. sound like a nightmare. That sounds unbearable. Yeah, at the time you used to have to not just deal with media queries, but deal with writing something for IE, writing something for Netscape, which is a browser that most people don't even know ever existed. Not true. Everybody's aware of it because Brexit. <laughs> true, yes. Up until a couple of weeks ago, nobody was... <laughs> <laughs> Even though every one of us on this call can thank our careers because of Netscape, because that is where JavaScript was born. But you were writing different code for a different browser. And then you had the fun of trying to work out which browser you were in before it actually told you. 
Because even telling you what the browser was was something that only came with IE 7 or 8. Wow. Um, I'm just going to give you guys uh, from cohort four a little bit of a little bit of homework to go look up. Um, you need to go and look up a guy called Remy Sharp uh, from Left Logic and Google HTML5 Shim, and you will learn so much because I believe I gave uh, Tom a little tirade a few weeks ago about progressive web apps and the way the internet was built. And the fact that uh, people teach JavaScript badly because they completely forget the fact that uh, when you build for the web, you don't build for JavaScript. Which, um, trust me, uh, at some point in your life, your career is going to depend on the fact that you're going to need to remember how to do things outside of React. Because some hacky crap will have to take place. See, I have the reverse problem. I have to remember that sometimes I can do it in React. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Um, do I want to drag another one of these questions or like, hang on, here we, here we go. Let's flip on his head. I've been asking you a bunch of questions. How about you four throw stuff at me? Or you can even throw them at Chris because he's a willing participant here. <laughs> Wait, I've been waiting for this moment. Oh, crap. Bring it. No, I'm going to ask a nice, a nice one to start with. So, so far, my experience of like tech communities has been like a positive one. And like people seem to be really up for helping each other. It seems like, you know, everyone's always learning because tech is always growing and getting better. It seems to kind of like level the playing field slightly in terms of that everyone's always a learner. So it, it kind of feels like a nice community. Would you say that that is your experience of like tech communities in general? Mm, how honest am I allowed to be? It's your show, Mike. I can be as honest as you like. <laughs> okay. Uh, the technology tech scene is a complete shit show. Um, I am the unfortunate sod who helped run uh, a tech conference in Birmingham for six years. From 2013 through to 2018, I ran the only pure tech conference, wasn't a shitty ass product thing, <coughs> Canvas, and uh, Hackathon. Now, in that time, it started from everybody being friendly and genuinely stayed that way. But the amount of hiccups because other people caused them uh, that meant there was a problem for me is a nightmare. In 2016, there was a problem with white supremacy getting into other events. So they uh, people were submitting CFPs to talk, and then nobody at the conference was doing background checks to make sure they weren't a white supremacist. So, you know, pseudo-neo-Nazis on a stage. And there was other things, uh, people making mildly sexist jokes around the term fork. Uh, that would be Python Easters in 2014, 2015, if I remember correctly. And it's just, there's some things that people need to learn to keep the goddamn mouth shut. Even if they're thinking it, please don't say it because you're ruining it for everybody else. So yes, the tech community in general is a happy-ish place people are friendly people are willing to help even though there is and i will say this because i'm one of them mild god complex 
every so often. Um, but, you know, genuinely the desire to help other people out and do stuff. It's just a case of, like any fandom or community, there's always a dark little corner full of shit bags who require a kick in. Humanity in a nutshell, really, isn't it? Yeah, I genuinely hate saying that that, that that is a thing, but in all honesty. Okay, now bring the hard one. You said the wrong the question. I know, I'd like someone else to ask a question first. I'll, I'll, I'll just say, what, what advice would you give us? Well, we're, we're obviously going into our first tech job, so what advice would you give us looking for that first tech role, knowing where we want to work well not where we want to be but um that we're going to be doing this for the rest of our careers that first tech role what would you Ooh. i think you need to go and find a place where there are plenty of um more senior engineers because joining a company that's um this is going to sound horrible where they've cheaped out and just hired a whole bunch of junior engineers and haven't stacked up the deck with people with experience there's nobody to learn from and help fix mistakes. There is just a whole bunch of people um, flopping around. And you will assume at that point that you're doing a great job because in comparison to everybody else around you, you're doing a great job, but there's nobody with that real world, well, this is gonna blow up sometime soon to help fix those problems, walk you through them. Uh, configuration management being usually one of the big ones there. You don't learn how to do good configuration management without somebody else previously in their career blowing shit up so aim for a slightly more mature company so that they have that body of experience and that, that people you have the ability to solidly ask questions without fear of reprisal for me the three things that i've always said when i'm asked this question is one don't assume that the first company that offers you is the right company two don't assume that the first job you take, it dictates what the rest of the world looks like. And three, don't assume that just because you go into a job and don't have a clue what you're doing, that you actually don't have a clue what you're doing, because you do. You just think you don't. Imposter syndrome is a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. You when all I'm... have a solid fundamental set of learning. That's still a fundamental set of learning that everybody should have. And thus, you know what you're doing. You just don't know the finesse and finite details. But you can learn those. Yeah. Yeah. That's really valuable and helpful, thanks. Yeah. Yay, I have completed my life's work. Now I can be an evil <laughs> dickhead for the rest of my life. <laughs> Any more curveballs? Surely Tom's got one. Oh, no. I think that was... That was my question, really. You know, he's actually awful for asking questions. He usually just um, fixes everything himself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very bad for asking questions. Yeah. If I have a question, I'll be happy to ask it. But <laughs> What about you, Chris? Do you want to throw one in? Make it curveball-y and evil? No. I was hoping you'd say yes, because I don't feel like I know you well enough to do that. You are welcome to throw anything at me. The world will tell you. I I have no fear, and that's not always a good thing. So bring it. 
in the words of the Emperor's New Groove, bring it. No, bring it on. I believe it's crazy. <laughs> Go on, um, I'll, I'll ask a question. Great, thanks, Chris. What is your worst experience in tech, Mike? Working at IBM. I hate corporates. Because fuck people micromanaging all of my life shit. Fuck off. <laughs> Fair days. Sure, that was the reason I ended up becoming a contractor for a year, because it was a choice find job can't find job i like what's the other choice um fucking quit and work it out as you go along fine <laughs> what about what's your favorite thing about working in tech oh now i'm a weird one because um some of you may not be aware my job title is classified as a developer advocate so i am not a hardcore nine to five engineer i do not write code all the time i write the whole bunch of things blog posts tutorials all that jazz um, I also happen to have spent a lot of time, as I made you aware earlier, running that thing called Hackfronts. Now, what that means is I really like communities and helping people. And surprisingly, tech is bloody full of them. I may have said earlier there is an evil dark corner to all communities, but you know what? There's plenty of other places in the community where I can go and be nice and friendly and helpful. I love the communities. I like getting involved with them. Why, why else would I have offered to be a mentor at School of Code? Yeah. Why else would I have run a cheap ass conference and hackathon for fun? I didn't make any money off that thing. Why else would I help run Fusion? For those of you unaware, Fusion is a nice meetup. You should all go. Come, so come you are a nice guy, really, then. Pardon? I'm, I'm pleased I've like that. that out of you. You are really a nice guy. <laughs> oh, I'm a grumpy, cantankerous <laughs> mother of a man. But I can be friendly sometimes. I've just got another question, actually. What would your advice be for getting involved with hackathons, like proper organised events? Because I'd really like to do one. I feel a little bit intimidated by it, but we we do we have been doing sort of hackathons every week at School of Code. Not really sure how you know that the level is different. I don't know. Have you got an advice for for getting involved with stuff like that? Unfortunately, I have a thing where I classify the hackathons that are done at uh, School of Code are the sort of ones you do at work. They're a day-long thing. They're not, they're not as intensive because you know there is a very short window on them. Most hackathons are multi-day, usually a full weekend. So they're a little bit more intensive because you think you have time, then you start running out of it, and then crunch happens and stuff. So... Uh, if you want to get involved from the organizational perspective, so I wholeheartedly uh, encourage people to attend them, virtual or otherwise, because you know what? You learn some random shit during hackathons whilst working with people. Truly random shit. And some of it is amazing. Some of it is I regret everything. Actually, to be fair, the reason I got into uh, JavaScript was because of a hackathon in the uh, Millennium Dome in 2013 uh where i uh learned how to code node on a uh, drone so hackathons are great uh organizing them kind of uh, i would never recommend anybody run them because they freaking hurt even though i ended up running them for years however if you're determined to get involved volunteer Find a local one, get involved, 
uh, they all need people to help out like either with tech support or just being a friendly face and actually getting involved with the organization and you can learn everything off the back of that so just well essentially do what you're doing at school of code be friendly and help each other yeah great <laughs> and Chris has dropped in a horrible question, which is, shall we run, run one, Mike? I am going to say this unequivocally to Chris. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my time. I've served. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I wish I could say on that bombshell at the end of it. Uh, all right let's see is there anything more we want to throw because otherwise we'll start with the intros because it's been an hour and i feel bad about keeping you guys for much longer i think your pearls of wisdom have fulfilled our desire for information for now wow pearls of wisdom i never thought i'd heard that about anything that comes out of my mouth jesus <laughs> oh she's talked to chris <laughs> 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 oh, finally the heckling comes it's taken an hour and people are finally comfortable it's too good an opportunity to pass up oh god so uh, gonna give a moment for anybody if there's anything rattling around the heads otherwise we're gonna go through the outro because there are three wonderful new additions to the community that we need to get into a job so they can learn how horrible this job really is full stack <laughs> 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 Anything else, or shall we move on? I'm happy to move on. That's it from me, I think. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm just going to start with uh, Chris because he's not actually looking for a job, but um, he's you know been a wonderful help here. So we should really get that into the world. So you can find Chris at CC Miller 2018, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Twitter. I think the only place you're not CC Miller 2018 is LinkedIn. I think you're just Chris Miller there, aren't you? I think I am actually CC Miller 2018. I shall check. I, I, I swear to God, when I put you on the Hackfront site, it was actual namey things rather than CC Miller. But you can find him pretty much everywhere by searching for Chris or Christopher Miller and CC Miller 2018. His website is chriscodes.tk and he currently works at Jump24. And next up, I'm going to go in reverse order of how I introduced you so that I can be fair. Um, except that technically means Katie stays in the middle regardless. Hmm. Oh, well. uh, so we have Tom. Now, Tom does not appear to have given me a Twitter handle for himself, so I don't believe he has one. Um, he's probably too young and is all that sort of like um, TikTok stuff. Oh, no. Oh, thank God. Um, but so you can find Tom on LinkedIn at Tom Bennett. I will obviously be putting the exact links into the podcast so you can find them yourself. And he is looking for a full stack developer role, uh, which um, I can vouch for him. <laughs> I hope you're saying that for uh, I, No, I can vouch now that you're lovely people, but uh, I didn't help you guys, which I now feel like I really missed out on helping more people at School of Code. I think I only ended up answering questions for Tom and Michael over the last few weeks. <laughs> but okay, next up, is there anything you want to add to that, Tom? No, just I'll take a job. <laughs> take a job, any job, give me a job. <laughs> okay, next up we have Katie Hawkett. Now, this one I'm going to let her describe how to say it because Katie is a name of awkwardness. 
Um, and you can find her as Katie Hawker on LinkedIn and Twitter. So would you mind describing how to do that one exactly? Because everybody has a different way of describing how to say their name, especially oh, when it's, it's things like Katie and Michael. H-A-W-C-U-T-T, Hawkett. Okay, and it's Katie with an I-E, not the Y-E. It is, yeah. Uh, so it's Katie with an underscore for Hawkett on Twitter and Katie Hawker on LinkedIn as is. Now, where it, that, that's my eyes can focus. Jesus. Oh, you actually have a really nice Twitter handle, Carl. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> actually quite cool. Put absolute freaking shade to mine. Well, it's got a little bit of hacker in there. It's like, um, I'm not going to lie, I got into development because of the movie Hackers and Antitrust. <laughs> and if that isn't aging me, I don't know what is. It's like, I'm pretty sure everybody here is going, Hackers is a movie? Except Chris. I got into development because I unboxed a ZX Spectrum 48K. Oh, God, you're even. I keep forgetting you're actually older than I am. <laughs> okay, anyway, <laughs> back to Carl and his amazing Twitter handle. He is Coda Carl, C O D 3 R, Carl with a C, not a K. And that actually, I really like that. And it's uh, Carl McIntosh on. Ooh. Is there a special way you're going to do this one? Like surnames? It's, ah. it's just, it's, it's M-C-I-N-T-O-S-H, not M-A-C. So many people spell it with a M-A-C, M-A-C-K. So many people spell it wrong. But it's There's a reason I was asking people to spell the name. Luckily, Tons is kind of simple. And same with Chris. It's like, it's really hard to it's screw that one so up. many people get it wrong. Seriously? Double N, double what? T. Oh, bloody heck. <laughs> anyway, um, so I know Katie has mentioned this a few times but she would like a full stack role somewhere where she can learn to play with lots of things. Now, Carl, you've also not said what you would like, so what would you like? Sound like San the world's creepiest Santa. Probably again, full stack, I think, is, is, is more about getting the right the right um, place for my first role, so, but full stack is, I'd like to do all of it. So. Mm -hmm. Can I okay. type in the front end I'm very interested in too? Now, for those of you who are not aware of School of Code and their uh, curriculum as it is right now, it is changing for the next cohort. It is JavaScript full stack. Uh, it was when Chris was going through mean stack uh, with a bit of React on the side. So Mongo based was the primary one. However, the new cohort have been told how to actually develop in the real world using relational data structures. Um, do I think that that was a problem to begin with? Because nobody uses fucking Mongo in an agency in Birmingham. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so they are React uh, with an Express backend. You've all played with Postgres, and I believe you've been made aware of NoSQL data structures because I remember giving Tom a rant about the term NoSQL. Yep. Yeah. Um, FYI, um, I gave a talk called No SQL is a Lie. Please watch it if you want to understand why that term is fucking horrid. Uh, so, yes, uh, if uh, you wish to hire these lovely humans, uh, they are on the internet. Now, anything you guys want to say to the internet, not to me, before we go bye-bye. 27th of January. Pub? Tom? Oh, I just said thanks for having us. Yeah. <laughs> the internet. 
Thank you. Ah, okay, then. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, Carl, Tom, and Katie. You guys have been wonderful. And thank you for, uh, well, letting me talk shit at you and, and you know, ask you questions. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thank right. you. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, all of you unlucky sods listening to this podcast. And we will catch you in the next one. Bye! Bye.